must be like the wolf pack, not like six pack. Teamwork. Yes. Hello and welcome to another episode of There's No I In Podcast, a podcast about teams. Uh, It's a podcast about being in teams. It's a podcast about leading teams. It is a podcast about making the most out of whatever team you are in. My name is Mark Johnson. I am a performance maker and a performance teacher, and I am joined as always and alone this week with my partner in pod sports coach and uh, head of sport and co-curricular at our shared workplace, Sean Gallagher. Hello, Sean. Hi, Mark. How's it going? How are you? you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. The sun is shining. Can't complain. Uh, Well, considering we've moved from a week of snow to a week of uh, blazing at least uh, bright sunshine, if not warm sunshine, uh, it's quite nice. It gives, gives you a little bit of juice. Absolutely. It does. It does. Um, I'm hoping it's going to lead into the week when I'm out on the grass or Astro, so to uh, so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we want some sunshine after being locked away for a year. Yeah, a little bit of, little bit of vitamin D uh, as a treat. Um, we don't have a guest this week, which I'm a little bit excited because one of the reasons why we don't have a guest this week is because we, um, we're we lining up a couple of very, very exciting guests. So we're doing a bit of timetable juggling. Um, that's one reason why we don't have a guest. And the other reason is because, and this, this sounds a, a little bit silly, but ever since um, we spoke to someone on the pod all those, all those months ago uh, from LinkedIn Learning or who had a course on LinkedIn Learning, I've been meaning to dip in to some of those some of those courses, and our shared workplace has quite uh, graciously uh, kind of splashed out and and given us given us access. <laughs> Indeed, all of the access. So, so I have, and I know that you've been dipping in as well. And I've been dipping into all of the slightly random, uh, slightly, I would say controversial, but we'll see. Um, kind of leadership and teamwork courses that I could find on there. Um, and in particular, the ones that take less than like 45 minutes. And I came across one that gave me a whole bunch of juice. So I kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. And I, I've followed up and and also done that one as well, because, you know, there's no, there's no iron podcast. We have to do things as a, as a team. Um, so uh, I've also done that one. Yeah. I really liked it as well. And I think that was 16 minutes. So it's, it's a pretty good time to, to take some information on board and go away and have a think about it. And then what I think is really important is discuss it with someone else, yeah. you know, or even pass that on, which is kind of what, what is spoken about on the course. Um, so yeah, completely. Yeah. And it's something that occurred to me about the the kind of LinkedIn learning courses in general, because the couple that I've done um, haven't had kind of assessment on them. They've they've effectively been like YouTube. What's the what's the teacher version? Sage on the stage. I'm going to give you a bit of a lecture about it. I'm going to give you my key points. I'm going to give you the stuff you want to consider. And for each of them, there's an element of. Uh, this only is is only really going to work if you practice it, if you try it out. So to get a certificate at the end of, you know, a 20 minute course on transformational change, which is what I want to talk about today. Um, I don't quite feel like I've earned it 
But <laughs> the the you know what I mean. The the ideas from the course though are have been presented in straightforward enough a manner and in, and in, and engaging and exciting enough manner that that I kind of want to go and try it out. So I'll I'll award myself the certificate when I feel like I've put a bit of it into practice and in particular what this course is about. Um, is there any before we get onto that, Sean? Is there anything teamwork you wanted to talk about? I think I may just touch on kind of the company we work and. Uh recent documentary i watched because i found it fascinating i think it's on hulu at the moment uh and it's quite recent and it just kind of follows the trajectory of uh, the company we work which most of us were probably familiar with you've probably seen a lot of them uh popping up around town especially in london but they were kind of all over the world um especially in the us uh and they were they were just there to um to kind of lease buildings um for office spaces really. And when we had the kind of startup boom, um, it was the place to be. If you had a startup, uh, you would be in a WeWork space. Um, and it's just about the creator of that. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but I think we have a WeWork near us. And one of their meeting rooms is a skateboard ramp. Like it's a oh, bit, wow. it's like, it's like un- that, that's very cool. unconventional spaces and, and or communal areas and a little bit, I think people would say hipster, but I don't, I, 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 I don't quite know. Is that the vibe of them? Kind yeah, of? you you would have fit in quite well there, Mark. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, if you can if you can produce a podcast, you probably would have had a space in uh, in one of the WeWorks. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. So it was the place to be, uh, like you said, for mm. the kind of young twenties who were starting up businesses and things like that. Um, and it was just a very new approach to to kind of working, uh, which is quite relevant now in a time when we've been working from home and what that kind of means for the big kind of shiny corporate buildings uh, in the city and what happens to them in the future. Um, so yeah, really, really interesting, but it has that cult vibe to it. It has that we're very different to anyone else um, kind of ponzi scheme yeah. aspect there's a lot going on in it and uh, i just think that i wanted to to kind of tell people to go and give that a watch because uh, there's lots of themes uh, from the podcast um that that it touches on um and yeah it's it's weird it's fun it's quirky and uh yeah re- really really interesting it just goes to show you what you can do if you believe in something you, enough you can get a lot of people on board maybe not for the best reasons, but you can get them on board. Even if it, even if it's a little bit like snake oil. Indeed. <laughs> uh, and that's, uh, that's uh, WeWork uh, or the making and breaking of a $47 billion unicorn uh, is Absolutely. the name of that documentary. And it's, it, sound, it sounds bonkers, I'll be honest. Um, but like when we're talking about uh, pieces of pieces of digital art code being sold for 69 million yeah. and you know various other extremely complex but god knows what kind of tech bubble nonsense they are it sits it sits firmly within that uh cool check it out if you can Team. so yeah the course that i did was was a short one by this guy called Aaron Dignan. Uh, and it was about transformational change. And I, f- I found I kind of gravitated towards it because the idea of kind of bringing people with you uh, along change is something that uh, I see as challenging uh, as a person who uh, 
usually as a as a member of a team who is inclined towards change, I often feel like I'm in the minority in some of those things, but also think it's super important that if you are going to start shifting stuff, every, everyone comes with you. And so I was fascinated at the philosophy of change that, that might be presented in it. Uh, and as I was going through it, it more and more started to align with the the practice of making theatre, which I know I'm always going to be applying that lens. And I'm sure, Sean, did you watch it and have that same thing, but go, uh, oh, this is exactly like coaching football. <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind of. It felt like it spoke more to the corporate world, if I'm being honest, mm. um, f- for me. Um, but I can definitely see how it will be applied to you know, any type of team or organizational yeah. company, to be honest. So I'm, so I'm watching it and I'm, uh, I'm thinking I need to, I need to get myself a gig as a LinkedIn learning teacher, because what he's talking about, I'm trying to teach in a level theater studies devising project. And so, so some of the key things that he was talking about is this idea of, of small changes and just doing them. So you like, everyone's heard us rattle on about kind of first and worst and get it out there uh privilege completion over perfection all of these kind of slogans about kind of making something and then iterating that ended up being what this course was about but at the same time at the same time kind of applying it to bringing people along rather than assuming they're already going to be there and that was quite interesting for me Uh, one of the things that he did talk about as a starting point, and that I wanted to throw at you, is this question of, uh, he called them tensions. What are the things that are, and I might call them frictions as well. What are the things that are stopping us from doing our best work, was the way he put it. And I wondered how you might apply that to, let's say you're a, you're a team and you've, either you've plateaued as a from a, from a football perspective, or you're you're not finding the team coming together. How would you address that conversation in that context of, okay, so what is, what's stopping us? Yeah. I mean, what I found from the course was he didn't necessarily touch on and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark Mm. is the kind of trust that is already within the organization. So, so what culture is already in place? Because I think the stuff that he was talking about and these, these little changes and not being scared of, you know, ripping things apart, not, not on a big scale, but even on a very small scale, uh, and sort of eliminating some of those tensions that are getting in the way of, like you said, doing your best work, doing your best work. I, I think that, you know, you do need to kind of, as an organization, be on board with that. But I think this is why this is an interesting chat because I think you would maybe come back on that with the fact that some of these things were so small and could be departmental. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean it needed to be organizational, you know, big kind of picture change. Um, so that that was interesting. But for me, well, let's take an example of Liverpool at the moment. They aren't having the best season. They've just been knocked out of the Champions League. They're not going to win the league um, after winning. And it correct last me if I'm year. wrong. They've quite recently had a great season. Like they're not. They too won far the. Away they won the league really, really last well. year. Yeah, they've won Champions League. So this is league. this is a this is a slump. This is a slump. Yeah. Okay. So this is a slump, and this is kind of after four years, I believe, four or five years under the management of Jurgen Klopp, um, 
and they've called it kind of rock and roll football. Uh, oh, sorry, heavy metal football, where it's <laughs> just, if you can imagine heavy metal in your head, it's just crash, bang, wallop, go, go, go. Very hard, very intense. Start the song, full power till the end of the song. Exactly, yeah. Quick, quick, and, quick, and, quick and angry. Absolutely. So they've kind of done that for four, four and a half, five years. Um, and it doesn't seem from the outset that that is sustainable. And so this is where it's interesting now when we talk about this course is I wonder the conversations that he's having now or is going to need to have around those tensions because you can't be that successful a year ago or not even a year ago and now have such a slump with the same players. Now there's going to be physical elements to that. There's going to be, you know, mental elements and fatigue is, I believe, going to be up there. We're also working in a COVID year. So there are definitely elements, but it'd be really interesting to see what those tensions are. And I do think that does need to be sitting down in big groups. And then- I was going to say, does that does that does that start in a in a conference room, going, okay, guys, we're going to talk about this. I mean, well, listen, we're not we're not in these big corporations, and we're not in these 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 football teams, and these are high level, multi million dollar pounds, you know organizations businesses and organizations businesses yeah you know so who's to say that they can just sit down and have the those those chats about tensions and things but you would hope that they are um and i would also say in smaller groups as well you know because the team itself is 20 odd players then you have backroom staff and i do think they probably need to split that up and have individual conversations and and see where they think things have gone wrong this season yeah. um, in order to, like you said, change for, for, for the next season, because they're too good to, to have this type of slump. I, I think. Um, also the answers are going to be different as well. If you're asking the equipment staff, what's stopping them from doing their best work, that's going to be a million miles away from, you know, asking your, your most expensive player, what's stopping them. And like the solutions therefore are going to be different and you want to be able to make those changes not individually, but kind of in, in, in the custom environments of those so that you're not making these broad and sweeping changes, which is what I was interested about, about the approach. Yeah, exactly. Just talk more, more on that Mark in terms of like you said, where I I tend to see change as this, like this big, big picture thing. And so sometimes Mm. that holds me back from making smaller change because I feel like it needs to, have so much impact yeah so that was that was definitely a that was definitely something they got onto and and i was quite i was i was quite excited by it as as a principle like he directly says when we when we imagine change and we imagine kind of effective change and the change that that pushes us forward we we will often see it in this kind of big picture seismic shift kind of way and what that kind of sets aside is this, he called it kind of to them, not through them, or rather he put it the other way around and said the change needs to happen with the people that are changing rather than kind of to the people that are changing. And the big seismic shifts, like I was saying with the, with the, the equipment stuff and the players, like their changes are going to need to be different if you implement a change based on what the players need, that's going to be happening to everyone else. Although, although tell me if I'm wrong, was, I mean, a department could go to another department and say, 
oh, you guys seem to all be really happy in your department and in your office. And then like on a Friday, you, you guys doing? have like, you yeah. have beers and stuff. And then like, you're all going out together. Like we, our department doesn't do that. Like, what have you done to do that? So even though it's equipment manager and, you know, the highest paid player on the team, what if the equipment team say, oh yeah, we all play poker on a Thursday night and it's really like brought us together. And then the, the top player goes, Oh, do you know what? Yeah, we could probably do that on a Thursday night. My house is pretty big. I think I could uh, have everyone round in, you know, non-COVID times. Um, and we could, you know, maybe not poker because that's a gambling thing, but you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'll talk about us as an answer to that or as, a, as, a, res- as a, a reflection on that because, you know, we work in circles within circles within circles of collections of people, you know, teams within teams within teams within teams where the smallest possible unit of of collaboration for us is probably each other and our office that little that little bubble that we create in there and someone walked into our office uh not too long ago and they looked at a thing that we had implemented now this was a for me a perfect example of recognizing the tension like what's stopping me from from doing best work and I think without consciously doing this process, we had identified that the the principle of of wanting to try a thing out, but but writing it off before we tried because of an expectation of it not sticking or whatever, and a kind of an inbuilt negativity was a reason why we weren't at our happiest or doing our best work. And so in our office, we have this board and on the board, is uh, a collection of post-it notes and those post-it notes all they are is uh anytime we've had a a, a good idea or a, a, a brilliant idea because it's the brilliant ideas board um we stick it up in a this was an idea we had box like and we and for for the briefest of moments we thought it was brilliant but 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 we made the conscious choice to not to not kind of write it off irrespective of that briefness. We went, I'm going to write it on a post-it note straight away and stick it up on this board. And then next to that board, next to that block, we have a block of ones that we're doing and we have a block of ones that we had done. And whilst the ideas on that board are in various states of process and some of them we'll never do and some of them we've already done, ignoring, ignoring those as examples of this process, the board itself made my work better because it made me believe in the possibility of a good idea in a new way in our office. I feel happy when I look at that board. I feel positive when I look at that board. I feel uh, empowered when I look at that board and I see that there are some things that we've done. Agree, disagree? You you, you look at the board as well? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I think it kind of hones in on both of our psyches in terms of you being creative and wanting to have a bunch of kind of just ideas out there and me having the to do doing done part of it (laughs) the tangible part of like that seeing that that done column which you have more duns than me but i'm gonna blame covid for that i'm Um, gonna also say though i'm gonna i'm gonna interrupt you and go like there is not a disparity between the number of brilliant ideas and i think that for me, I've watched over the course of having the board, the process of checking yourself. And I know that I've gone, hang on a second, that needs to be on a post-it note. 
And I also know that you've said, Mark, this needs to be on a post-it note with an idea that you've had to go up there. So it's it's potentially changed your process. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, it's not not every single day you're going to walk into your job and go, oh my God, here's a great idea. And we certainly don't do that. But it's not about the idea itself. It's about having a place for an idea. If yeah. an idea does pop into your head, it's the board. It's yeah, the board. It's the, and the board the is the example of, of this process. Yeah. And it and it gives and it gets me excited that the board exists. Yeah. And I think if, you know, I'm not gonna blame the fact that we work in an educational setting, but sometimes there are certain parameters that we can work in. Yeah. We're working with young people. Statutory yeah, parameters. But if as well. you if you are in a marketing department or if you are working in a tech company or if you are somewhere where you're just with a bunch of adults, then your ideas, you know, could be really out there potentially, you know, mm. and especially around staff and socials and things like that. You could just put something up on the board and people- If go, I, if I was great. to risk listing some of the stuff, some of the ideas that are on the board, we'd probably get in trouble. So, well, um, but yeah. Yeah, but but it, it could really it could really make a difference. And it just takes one person to to kind of walk past that board and go, oh, what what's that about? And uh, then you, you have a conversation and then maybe that brings it into existence because and other people are feeling it. Yeah. And that has happened. Yeah. That has happened. There's another thing that that kind of, so that's what I was going to describe. Someone came in, they said, I'd, I'd, they saw uh, an idea on, or they saw my ideas and your ideas on the board and they went, oh, that gives me an idea. And so we ended up throwing one of their ideas up on the board and that's something that in a very short space of time got done. And the reason why it got done is because, uh, and this is another really great concept, and I'll put in brackets now, we work in an educational establishment, and so there are some very, very strict uh, and legal frameworks we have to obey, so we will always be considering those. But uh, Dignan describes this concept of of the, the water line, that if we were in a boat, if we had a hole above the waterline, we can patch it up and be fine. If we uh, make a hole below the waterline, water starts coming in and we start to sink. Uh, and so when we're framing this idea of just doing our ideas, and that is what he encourages, have a good idea, just try it for a bit, have an experiment. Uh, he calls them learning loops, where you where you have an idea, try it out, see if it makes your work better. And if it doesn't, chuck it away if it does keep going that that's what i liked about it because there's again it just goes back to that kind of the tangible nature of of actually seeing if a thing you know does work rather than just go okay here's a like really fluffy idea and we're gonna have some fluffy parameters around it and in six months time yeah it's kind of going or it's kind of not going we're not sure we've not asked anyone does this work pictures too big so we can't actually tell exactly rather than we're doing this for a realistic amount of time and then we will check in with it. So four weeks, eight weeks, you know, a couple of months and see, check in with that. I forgot the terminology he used for it, but almost like a debrief on, you know, is this is this working? And if so, let's continue with it. And now let's go and not necessarily, you know, rave about it or, or go and bang people's doors down. But more than likely, people will ask us, how has how has this come into into action like, if it's um, good practice it's working, let, yeah. pe- let people know yeah uh but yeah the the where we were talking earlier about you wanting to see this big change this seismic shift uh when we're working on 
kind of these small learning loops and you're trying to encourage a team, your team to do them, to experiment, uh, there has to be some kind of sense of whether or not the uh, the change is going to be risky or cause some kind of damage. And so this idea of when you are checking in on your change, go, is this an idea that if I do it is going to harm us permanently? Or if I do it, how easy is it to reverse it? and go back to the way it was. So I'm going to try it. It didn't work. Can I uh, go back? That idea, he would say, is above the waterline. If I put, if I do this and it puts a hole in the side of the boat, I can just patch up the hole, yeah. either by going back to the way it was or by fixing it differently. And the encouragement of, if you can reflect on your idea and know, actually, if this doesn't work, I can just go back to the way it was and there will be no difference or minimal difference. It's done no harm just do it. Just try it out. Absolutely. I, f I think this is what as well, the kind of top universities, you know, across the world, especially say, you know, in the UK and the US, I, I feel like they're looking for those students. They're looking mm. for the ones who are kind of looking to take risks. They are going to be yeah. the ones to, I'm not stereotyping, but you know, the highly intellectual people who are going to start an app, you know, from, you know, from their bedroom because they kind of, messed around with stuff and saw that this didn't work and this yeah. did work. And, you know, obviously you need to have the kind of intellectual capabilities or you need to know people who do, but, uh, and the technical capabilities, but it's just like, I think we're not looking, I think the working world now is not looking for people to be in this linear kind of way of thinking. And, you know, it's just ABC and tick boxes. They're looking for people to, you know, um, to use a phrase, kind of look outside at, uh, look outside the box and think outside the box. Yeah. Um, and I think this ties into that in terms of change. Definitely. And to quote the movie, The Social Network, not to necessarily endorse Facebook, but there's that line, isn't there, where Zuckerberg says, if you were going to invent Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. Like, it's the people who try it. Absolutely. That, absolutely, that, that, yeah. that make it. And, and, and what felt like a big change for me is how empowering that could be for anyone, for any human who f who has an idea and, and thinks it's going to work. And that's what, that's what it's based on. It's like, I, this is my tension. I'm going to propose an alternative practice that I and my expertise and my experience and my gut feel might work. And then I'm going to try it. Both the empowerment of feeling like I can work under my own steam in that way, but also the pride I might feel if it does work, even if all I'm doing is changing my day, if I'm giving myself an extra half an hour of, you know, freer time to do other stuff. And I think that's important, the important part of this as well, you know, sometimes in a selfish way, you might be making a small, tiny change that, like you said, Mark, betters your day. Not, not at the detriment of anyone else, but just that- yeah, It doesn't hurt anyone. No, it doesn't hurt anyone. It's just better for, for you in your day. And, you know, I think someone who is happy going into work and feels pretty good is going to do better work. So, you yeah. know, anything that you can put into your day, however small, that may be just a tiny change, um, is probably going to help the organization, the team or whatever you may be in. 
what becomes really interesting there, and this is kind of off topic, uh, is I think about the, the idea of like, a, if you imagine like a computer programmer suddenly works out that they can automate half of their job and so spends the other half of their day uh, like doing their own projects or sunbathing or whatever, like if your organization feels like they're paying you for your time and not for your work, like they might get the hump with that. They might go, hang on a second. We, we pay, we pay you to do a job. And it's like, yeah, the job's getting done. Yeah. But we pay you this many hours to do a job. And it says, it doesn't matter. The job's getting done. And that becomes, that becomes an interesting par- uh, challenge. Yeah. I think, and, and I think that's where we're at now, kind of, you know, the whole working from home situation, which we've not necessarily had because we've sort of, we've worked all the way through. It's just been a case of kind of either in the building or online. Um, But for those who have maybe been working from home for like the last year and spent the entirety of their adult life working in, you know, a traditional office space, um, I think bosses are worried about that. Bosses are going, hang on a second, what are you doing if you're working from home? And it goes back to like you just said, if the work is being done and I've done an awesome day's work, but it's three o'clock, not five o'clock. But it's three o'clock and I can go and walk my dog and, and, and yeah, drink a cappuccino. Then, you know, what, you know, who's been hurt in this? Like no exactly. one. Um, and well, the, the, the boss, the boss thing is also addressed in, in this course, in Aaron Dignan's course, um, where the question, if I'm empowering my uh, staff to make all of these changes you know, to experiment, experiment, experiment. What's my role? Whereas a boss or a leader, my role was always to ensure delivery of a project or, you know, make sure this happens on time and on budget uh, and oversee getting stuff done and and at the risk of micromanagement. What does a boss do under this uh, setup? Uh, He talks about the idea of, of making space and holding space, like saying, this is okay. I'm a, I'm, uh, I won't even say allowing, but this is how we work and how I'm expecting you to work, but also then protecting people from, you know, a two week experiment failing, like, like tanking in a week, but not giving it enough time to work. Like the boss has to have the, the kind of protective instinct to hold the, the space for that experiment and say, okay, we're one week in and it's not working like you wanted to. But we said we'd try this for two weeks. Like that pain. Yeah. You've got to like, yeah. you've got to find it painful for a little while. Otherwise, how are we ever going to figure yeah. out whether this is good or bad? And that becomes the job of the leader to, or the, or the boss to ensure that this is meaningful, meaningful experiments, that the change, that the change is having an opportunity to take place because, you know, some changes will be like, like I've talked about, like moving my, uh, monitor from one side of the desk to the other without asking. We do it all the time. And like you were saying, with the home, with the home working, like setting up my space exactly how I want it uh, was kind of, for me, part of that, that change. And I, I think about bringing some of that back into work and wondering if I can and what would I need to do that and how, who would I have to ask in order to make that change happen? I think making, making your space, I think is, really underrated in a workplace i think if you can personalize your space that you work work in that doesn't impede on others as much as you can 
like however you feel comfortable to do so. I think that's really important because- The idea of a boss coming around saying, take that photo off your desk. Yeah, because like- Feels like an absurdity. Yeah, because you spend so much time in your workplace that wouldn't you want to like get out of bed, get ready, go into work, into a comfortable environment that you have at home. You know, you want to go kind of almost home from home. Like even, like, like, even to frame it professionally, that lets you do your best work. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like they, they get, there feels like there's, there's, there's no downside to that other than policy. And if we're thinking about what's our intention, our intention is to get results. Our intention is to meet outcomes, not to uphold policy. Uh, that's actually a quote from a different LinkedIn course, which we might talk about later, uh, about disobedience. Um, but I just wanted to kind of loop back on the fact that understanding what this waterline is becomes crucial because if you don't calibrate that waterline, like people going rogue and making these enormous changes that are hugely risky because they don't realize the, 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 the potential for um, not being able to reverse something. Uh, when we are in a school environment and we do have safeguarding responsibilities, statutory educational responsibilities, uh, and generally an awareness that we're working with young people and young people uh, require and thrive under a certain consistency, uh, that that means the waterline, I think, probably needs to be much more firmly calibrated than like you were saying in a marketing firm. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that I'm, I'm really on board with, with this course and with the ideas that have been presented and, and I enjoyed it uh, just as much as you. I just think that the one thing it didn't massively talk about, and yes, it did speak about the bosses and the spacing, um, but I do think we need to be explicit into as to what that line is as your firm, as your company, your organization, your team. Because I think then once you know what that is, then like you said, it allows for the the iteration, the the tiny changes. Well, I think about one that that kind of has happened without us massively trying, and that is the addition of badges to the lanyard of people's ID cards for students and for some staff that that was an idea that I think it came out of the the boarding team uh, of putting these pin badges on and as people started to kind of gravitate towards using them as identity using them as 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 setting out their tribes they it almost eliminated the need for us to uh, chase people about wearing their lanyards. Yeah. I know that certainly since it started, I have had to say it to so few people. And that's not to say it's perfect, but where wearing your lanyard, a, a problem we needed to solve. What is what is the tension? The tension is I spend most of my day having negative interactions about, about something petty, something minimal. And I'd like to, I'd like to not have that. A solution, an alternative practice, encourage the wearing of a set of pin badges, college related around these lanyards and the problem gets solved. And also I'm able to have even go even further and have positive 
conversations about what people are wearing on their on their yeah. lanyards. All of our adult audience now are like, "What the hell is an issue with wearing a lanyard?" <laughs> oh, <laughs> these, these are the, but th- like, these are the if things, anyone guys. if anyone wants to visit uh, a college once COVID is once COVID is firmly in the rear view, and they want to see just how many times anyone who works in a school says, "Wear your lanyard, take your head down." Tuck in your shirt. Straighten your tie. Do your top button up. Hit us up on LinkedIn. You can come visit. <laughs> yeah, I think it's already been quite positive to to do some of these courses. So, um, you know, we're not being sponsored by LinkedIn um, by any means here. But um, it is, you know, if, if you do see a good thing, I think it's good to tell others about it, like you're saying. And, and that kind of ties in with all of this change stuff that we've just been speaking about. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I look forward to to doing a couple of more and and maybe putting that into kind of my schedule on a, maybe a monthly basis of just doing maybe one or two and dipping yeah. into stuff that picking, seems of picking interest. Picking some experiments we want to try. Yeah, exactly. So that is our conversation on uh, the Aaron Dignan course about transformational change on LinkedIn learning. Uh, I, I'm getting loads out loads out of it even if I am just kind of getting the easily digestible ones. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I look forward to doing a couple a couple more. Um, you know, when you go through it, I don't think all of them will relate to maybe your role or your environment, but, you know, maybe just do one that isn't exactly kind of part of what you do on a day-to-day basis because it could just throw up an idea or a way of thinking that is that is something you haven't thought about. So, um, yeah, give give them a go. On that note, Sean has sent me uh, a course to try out. That is everything we've got for today. So uh, thank you very much for listening. If you want to reach out to us, you can uh, get us on the social medias, Twitter and Instagram at Podcast, or you can uh, email Sean and I, Sean or Mark at show. You can also buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash Podcast. Last thing to say is uh, goodbye from Sean. Goodbye, guys. And uh, goodbye from me. Goodbye. You must be like the wolf pack. Teamwork. Yes.